I was to ask you to name your favorite movie one-liner and gave you a minute to think about it, you probably come up with not one, but five or six movie one-liners. Some of those one-liners that come to mind for me when I think about movies over the years, way back when, The Wizard of Oz, I remember Dorothy saying, there's no place like home, there's no place like home. And of course, we all repeated the words from E.T. where he said, phone home. Star Wars, the first one came out decades ago and the last one weeks ago, but that one-liner stays true, doesn't it? May the force be with you. And of course, the Apollo 13 movie, we love to say at work, Houston, we have a problem. But my favorite is one from Lord of the Rings. And Aragon said, a day may come when the courage of men fails, but it is not this day. A lot of good one-liners to remember. So let me ask you another question. If I asked you to name your favorite Bible verse, and I gave you a minute or so to think about it, could you come up with five or six? Could you come up with one? Years ago, Mary and I, my wife and I, were invited to a couple's shower. <laughs> and halfway through the evening, this very Catholic hostess handed out these white cards, blank cards, to everybody. And she said, I'd like you to write your favorite Bible verse on these cards and hand it to the bride and the groom. My wife and I looked at each other with fear in our eyes, and that one-liner from Scooby-Doo came to mind, ruh roll. <laughs> it's interesting, though, in a three-hour movie, maybe one or two one-liners come out of that movie that you kind of remember. I would submit to you, though, that in a three-minute gospel reading, there's probably five or six really amazing verses. Memorable one-liners, if you will. And I'd like to take today's gospel just as an example. Just a couple. Early in the readings from today's gospel, John the Baptist is standing there with two of his disciples, who we later learned to be Andrew and John. And he says to them this great line, Behold the Lamb of God. John chapter 1, verse 36. As he says, behold the Lamb of God, he points to Jesus. And the two disciples are moved. You and I today might hear this word lamb and think, okay, Jesus is humble and good and gentle as a lamb. That's why we call him lamb. But that would be wrong. And the first century Jews would definitely not get that wrong. Because their whole life they had experienced animal sacrifices in the temple for the atonement of their sins. So when they hear the word, words, behold the Lamb of God, they know that that means sacrifice. 
These words mean that Jesus was someone who was destined to be sacrificed as a sin offering to God. Jesus would be the one who offers the final and definitive sacrifice, which reconciles divinity and humanity. He will offer something to the Father, which will deal finally with the problem of sin. And in this, we will find our salvation. Later in the Mass today, you're going to hear Father Brian say, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. When he says these words, think sacrifice. Try to understand the great mystery that Jesus is the Lamb. Jesus is also the temple. Jesus is the sacrifice. And Jesus is the, the priest performing this sacrifice. It's a great and wonderful mystery. Second memorable verse in this gospel of many. We have found the Messiah. John chapter 1, verse 41. We have found the Messiah. This, these were the words that Andrew said after spending 24 hours with Jesus. Came home, found his brother Simon Peter and said, we have found the Messiah. <clears throat> Although I don't think he said, we have found the Messiah. I think he said, we have found the Messiah. And he was probably jumping with joy. And I'm sure Peter was like, what are you talking about? We've been waiting for this Messiah forever. And you say, we have found the Messiah. Now, for you and I, it's maybe not as impactful, but to the Israelites, who for a thousand years have been waiting and praying for the Messiah to come, you know, they have this great history that there was, it, it started with this amazing, huge Davidic kingdom that spread from Egypt to modern-day Iraq, and then things started to go downhill. After Solomon's death, there was a civil war which split the kingdom north and south. 700 years before Christ was born, the northern kingdom was overrun by the Syrians, Assyrians. And 500 years before Christ was born, the southern kingdom was captured by the Babylonians. The Israelites suffered exile for many years. But even after that, one foreign power after another reigned over their country, over their nation. And the Israelites would pray for the Messiah to come and engage the enemies of Israel and to deal definitively with those powers opposed to God's purpose. Only when we think of the history of the Israelites can we understand the magnitude of these words, I have found the Messiah. Because when the Messiah comes, he will make all things right. Also from the readings today, we learn that Jesus is known as the anointed one, the Messiah in Hebrew, the Christ in Greek. But he will be a different type of Messiah than what the Israelites were expecting. And the early Christian fathers started to see that indeed things were changing. 
They noticed that Christ was clearly something older, larger, and different than Jesus himself. They mystically saw that Jesus is the union of human and divine in one person, and the Christ is the eternal union of matter and spirit from the very beginning of time. These words, we have found the Messiah, should rock our souls just like they did Simon's years ago. The third and final amazing verse. You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Kepha, which is translated Peter. John chapter 1, verse 42. The word in Aramaic, the word Kepha, is rock. As is in Greek, the word Peter, Petros, is rock. It's nothing but a common noun. Today, you and I think of the first name of Peter. We think that's a very common first name. But back then, it was not. It was not used as a first name. It was simply a common noun, rock. Now, in other, in other gospels, we will talk more about the kind of the continuation of the story. Matthew chapter 16 again picks up and it says, you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. A whole nother homily, but we know at that point in time that was the beginning of the Catholic Church. But today, suffice it to say, we are experiencing a change of names. And we know from our Old Testament readings that God changed names a couple of times, and each time it meant not just a change of name, but a change of mission for that person. And so here we have Simon, who was a mere fisherman, and his new mission is now not to just be a disciple, but to be the first of the 12, and to have a silly first name like Rock. So here's the point. Sacred scripture is the word of God. But we have such great access to the word of God, whether it's books we buy, online, different media sources. I think we've grown a little bit numb to the fact that this is the divine word of God. I like to think back, I don't know, a thousand years ago before the printing press, you can walk into an old church in England and you see the Bible literally chained to the amble because it was probably the only copy that maybe that diocese had and they didn't want anyone to steal it. And I think how lucky we are today to have such great access to the word of God. So all we have to do is simply respond like, like Samuel did in this first reading with the words, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. If we listen, I believe that we will be blessed with divine wisdom 
And this divine wisdom will open our eyes to the beauty, the goodness, and the truth. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening.